0: What's up out there, podcast world? You're now listening to Patina Co. and stay with me, and I'm your host, Dennis. Today, we got Savage Fab here, and he's going to give us a backstory on how he got his start in the whole Savage Fab works, and uh, he's doing some pretty cool stuff, and it's been nice to sit back and watch him evolve and go through the steps that he's gone through to be Savage Fab, to do Savage Fab, and run that. And it's also pretty cool that if it wasn't for these trucks that we built, we probably wouldn't have never even met the same for a lot of us here. So we're going to hop into this podcast right now and listen to what old Savage Fab's got to talk about. All right, everybody. We're here with Dave from Savage Fab off of Instagram. I want to say thank you for coming on and taking your time to do this with me. Hell oh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, bro?
1: I'm doing
0: good, bro. Yourself? Oh, you know, I'm good. I'm good. We was just on the live feed and both of our phones cut off. So that was the that was the cue. That was like, hey, it's time to let me yep. hit Savage Fab up and see if he's ready to do the podcast. And uh, so you got some really cool stuff going on. Let everybody know about like what it is just doing and, you know, how you got started. Because you got a cool story of how you got started. I think it's really good uh, podcast spotter, so to speak. Okay. And I think it would be cool for people to hear how you got started and to go to the point of where you are now.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you want to take it all the way back to my first welder, I got a homie uh, up here growing up. We did construction together and we worked in my first fabrication shop together and uh, just a a homie for life, you know, just a real brother from another mother type dude. And uh, we both kind of were stoked on building rock crawlers and this must be back like, I mean, I was, like, 21, dude, so this is 19 years ago. <clears throat> wow. So we went on, like, a, in together. We both, I think, needed, like, about 300 bucks. We bought the little 110, you know, Lincoln... From Home Depot with the with the flux set up, and and we made some bumpers and transmission cross members and shackles and whatever the heck we needed to make, right, to try to get these crawlers put together. We were trying to trying to build early on, and uh, we were all watching these, uh, you know, what was it? Uh, trucks gone wild, like the um, <laughs> the mega trucks from Florida, and we we had one buddy who was like part set on building mega truck, and then dan built a mega truck jeep and so it kind of started to expand a little bit you know over a couple years while we were here mostly just dudes having fun and uh i was already into cars and playing but i was always most interested in the craft the metal craft the fabrication aspect and um you know suspension specifically always really just kind of intrigued me um figuring out how to make a car do what you want to do seemed like you know pretty cool shit to me at 16 it still does it 40. um and so anywho it was just a progression you know i had my toyota rigs that i wheeled through the years and i moved to lake tahoe i was a semi-professional snowboarder and um i continued the progression in lake tahoe i had a first gen a crawler that was on 37s and you know all welded up and uh for those who don't know like one of the most famous wheeling trails in the world is in Lake Tahoe it's the Rubicon Trail I didn't yeah. actually move there for that but it just so happens that that was there and it also was in alignment with one of my end in- well kind of like my career of uh at least what I wanted to be doing right so um I just kept progressing right i was a ski bum so i didn't have a lot of money doing construction in the summers and trying to keep up with my friends partying and uh you know also having this expensive hobby i couldn't really afford but you know i just chiseled away at it i'm always uh, i could tell the story maybe another time but i just i met a dude who just kind of showed me you know if you just if you got a car that you know you're not gonna you know you're still gonna be stoked on 10 years then like who cares when it gets done even if it takes 10 years just just fucking do the damn thing and do it faster if you can but if not whatever it's still not gonna suck and you'll enjoy the process and so i've always kind of believed that but i just expanded on that now i have like five ten-year projects
0: <laughs>
1: uh, so anyways uh moving forward from tahoe Or actually, in Tahoe was really really when like the career aspect kind of kicked in. I was working for another shop, which was really kind of funny because I was doing the shit in my garage and wheeling, you know, uh, wheeling on the Rubicon on the weekends with friends and just playing around. And um, we actually had a uh, a test trail built in South Lake where you could, I mean, I could wheel out my garage. No trailer straight to the trailhead and go wheel various difficulty lines and you know of course you're going to break stuff of course you're going to have to abandon your rig of course you're going to have to do a recovery but it was right there in town it couldn't have been like an easier access progression scenario right so i found all the weak points on the rig and and beat the hell out of it and kind of you know learned a lot along the way and i just i confirmed what a girlfriend's grandfather had said to me it always rung in my ears when i was like 19 He's like, you know what those 4x4 four four trucks are good for? I was like, no, but I bet you're going to tell me. And uh, he sure did. He's like, they're good for getting you about 20 feet further than your recovery strap is. <laughs> I was like, man, I can't count now how many times that's been true. So um, <laughs> I, I kind of like, I was a snowboarder, which is a high-speed adrenaline hard thing and rock crawling which is kind of like high anxiety slow speed thing i was like this isn't totally in alignment with what i'm really into i really would rather be drifting and jumping and shit and then lo and behold uh you know i fuck myself up the following season snowboarding i'm getting shoulder surgery and one of the movies that um I rented is Dusk to Glory and it's a documentary on the Baja 1000, which I, you know, had heard about and I knew it was this big gnarly off-road race, but I really didn't really know that much at all about the actual sport and the technology in the, in the vehicles. I figured it was just another form of motorsports that's unobtainium, right? It must be millions of dollars to do that, which it, you know, technically is. Um, and so I never really considered it as like a, career path right and so I watched this thing the documentary Dust to Glory and now I've seen it I've watched it hundreds of times and it's still a great watch to this day and it's actually really really pretty accurate for what the experience is um, and you know watching it was like the first time I picked up a snowboarder magazine in like the early 90s I was like this is what I do now this is what I'm going to do like, I'm gonna just, like, like, I'm a snowboarder now, but but now I'm gonna be a racer guy. Uh, I don't know what it's gonna take to do that, I don't care. I'm gonna fucking do it. Yeah. And so literally that was, like, 07, I think, and it was, like, the dumbest time economically to try to start a business or whatever. And, um, and I looked at it kind of long game, and it was like, well, I probably shouldn't jump into this too fast, right? I should probably, like, take a step back and think about things, and figure out a smart way to do it. So I just figured I'd, I just kind of play around, learn the tech and building some stuff, you know, and just be like a small time, super boutique fab shop, like kind of underground, not even publicly known about. And I just worked through word of mouth on cherry pick projects that were real specific to what I wanted to be working on. I wasn't trying to be a shop pumping out money or jobs and I wasn't trying to pay anybody or keep them busy. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a hard economic time. I couldn't even find work for 750 an hour. I worked in a paint shop. I worked, I did a couple other things and it was a terrible time to try to employ people or be employed. And what's crazy is that we're actually going into a really, really, really similar economic uh, cycle right now um which is uh maybe a topic for another day but it's pretty interesting uh time in history and it's kind of repeating itself in some ways but anyway (laughs) um, at that time i was like you know the smartest thing i could do right now would be buy tools and build my knowledge build my intellectual property and figure out what really speaks to me what's really going to be sustainable and so you know i played i did so many different jobs dude i like built like displays for businesses i did some uh you know fabrication of furniture and worked on trailers and of course kept doing crawler stuff and bumpers and researching i was on the desert rangers every single fucking night just like reading the forums staying up super late where i was at in chico i had gotten a shop in chico california and uh it was pretty cheap rent but then i realized why it's in april when it broke a hundred and it didn't it didn't stop being a hundred until you know like october or something it was fucking ridiculous and i was like "Fuck it, this is training for Baja." <laughs> and so i just like sweat it out dude i just i just sweat it out every day just about i know i was in board shorts just drenching myself outside my shop just getting back to it grinding showering in sparks and in my shop, it would average, like, between 110, 112, to 135 degrees on any given day. And so, what was trippy is that, you know, your body adapts, but also, um, that shit will, it, you'll basically just kind of shut down, you know what I mean? It's right. heat stroke. And so, I went into this, like, nocturnal cycle, uh, where I was, like, you know, it was, like, graveyard shift style, because it's just like anything, it's how you beat the heat, right? So... Um, I, I started working like that for a while and, uh, continuing with the research and continuing with the side jaws, but continuing with the dream. I started on a prototype long travel kit. I decided that total chaos long travel kit was both too expensive, which it is not, and didn't have enough, uh, performance, which it does, (laughs) but I didn't know shit. just like every new fabricator. I thought I was going to reinvent the wheel, bro. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to, if that's long travel, I'm going to invent the ultra long travel. Right. Like, I didn't, I didn't invent anything. I just, (laughs) I just looked at what everybody else was doing. You know, I'm a kid in my 20s, right? And I just looked at what everybody else was doing in their 20s, I guess, at that time. And I thought it was pretty cool, right? Because I was just coming from being a pro snowboarder, coolest kid in the block. And, um, you know, coming. You know, becoming humbled very quickly by an off-road, which is run by guys who own casinos and like ranch compounds and like real estate developments, like real money, you know? Like these racers, they do it. That's their hobby. It's like in the off-season, they're in their cigarette (laughs) boat. You know, that's the kind of people who are racing this sport. Right. And so I was like, I was like, there's also grassroots racers in the sport and they're having a blast and um you know maybe there's like this middle ground where i can build a badass machine that's like towards the upper echelon but do it with like a grassroots mentality and use like a lot of stock parts and like try to make it as self-sustainable and self like reliant for parts and backups as possible because that's how the dudes did it the ogs in baja did it they didn't have semis and helicopters they went down with their one buddy, maybe with it on a trailer, but usually they just drove like their Bronco down a little onboard welder arc set up and like spare tire and some fix a flat if or whatever the fuck they had back then and they just winged it. You know, I was like, those guys were the badasses. Not these guys now with a ten million dollar fucking crew of a hundred people to support their one stupid toy truck. Like, that's not that badass, you know? Like, that's just a way to spend a lot of money, in my eyes. Um, And it's easy to spend a lot of money. It's not easy to be super creative and figure out a million different solutions for a million different scenarios and figure out how to do it all yourself and service it all yourself with you and one other person or even alone. Uh, And so I was like, dude, that's the ultimate fucking judo of fabrication it's endless you'll never be a master it'll always evolve it always be a new better way there's always going to be innovators coming in creating new fresh designs like it is endless and that's still true to this day 20 years later you know it's still like we've barely touched like guys take the like you were saying on live you know people don't want to share their ideas and shit what a joke dude like, this shit is so primitive, we're carving stuff out with grinders. Like, there's guys with robots, with AI, like fucking looking at 100 different scenarios on how to best engineer, best practice, you know, like, process engineer, and for manufacturing, like, products, day in and day out, and they've been doing this for a long time. So, like, it's just ego, the people that who don't, don't, who don't want to share, like, open source, like, that's where it's at now, you know? Either, like, evolve or die. And so that's the way the forums have been. And that's the way, you know, that's the way it's even going with our money now. So it's pretty, pretty interesting time to be alive. And you know, that pretty well brings me up to like kind of about, you know, let's see, that was about my first shop. Well, then, you know, I had, uh, I learned some stuff there and Chico and decided I wanted to build a race truck and I was involved, um, to be totally candid, I was growing grown herb. I mean, that's how I could afford to be a semi-pro snowboarder. I ain't like a trustafarian. I have to earn my money. And uh, when I had an issue with my license, I was like, well, can't drive my truck for a while. And this is like the last few G's I have the asset. I went down to the grow shop and was like, what can I do legally and what's my return on investment? And so I figured out a way to make money with with an asset that was going to be sitting there useless for me all winter And that became you know a way to supplement my income Completely legit legally making medicine and also learning about plants So that was like a whole journey of its own and a whole nother story for another time maybe but you know like I have zero regrets about doing that. I learned a fuck lot about uh, hustling, cash flow, like running a business, risk management, partnerships. I mean, everything it takes to build a business or a team, you know? And so, um, what was funny was that I became, you know, low-key successful with it enough to, like, have a four-bedroom house to myself, live in Lake Tahoe, like, ride a snowmobile every day. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily stacking a lot of money, but I could pretty much do whatever I wanted, um... I could afford to buy some tools. I wasn't building dream cars quite yet, but you know, I was working my way there. Right. And, um, I figured I should probably either get savvy on taxes or figure out like a way to wash some money or like whatever. And I still had like, when I would grow, like, this is a funny, I had pictures of off-road trucks, dude, like on my wall while I'm trimming. I'm just like looking at these off-road trucks. Like, dude, this is what I'm working for right here. He you knows tools to build these things. And so it's just that, that strength of, uh, the ability to manifest an image, you know, it's like the dream board concept. That shit's real. And I watched a lot of movies and I watched Dusty Glory a million times. And, um, I just never gave up on that dream. And so eventually that evolved and I was like, okay, I'm moving to Chico now, I guess. Oh, I, I got in trouble for growing her small time, uh, just in my house. It was no big deal just slap on the wrist i think it was a misdemeanor all said and done but it it was a super agonizing process going through the court system and having to learn the legal system from the inside out and you know getting in trouble for not knowing i had warrants and, like i had a million court dates so i didn't make all of them and that was just a nightmare and so i was just like what was fucked is i had to double down on the grow up to pay for the trouble i got in growing and i was like the only way i know how to raise that kind of money is to do exactly what I got in trouble doing just now. <laughs> 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 so that's exactly what I did. I went back to my guy. I was like, hey, remember what you said? If I ever had troubles, well, I had some troubles. And he's like, okay. Uh, so I, I took out a small loan on my street cred, and I doubled down on my setup, and then I threw $15,000 at the best attorney there was in the country. Uh, and I brought him to Lake Tahoe, and I fucking smashed on fools, and I walked out with a misdemeanor and had uh, a fair amount of community service. Mm. And so, you know, long story short, it's risk management. It's just like anything else. You know, I was in there in a, in a time that was scary for a lot of people, but I never pushed it past the federal limit. I never, I knew I'd never go to jail for more than, like, 30 days tops. And so that was a risk I was willing to take. And, you know, it's the same thing comes with, like, your business or or whatever endeavor the heck it is you know what's it worth to you and so for me you know the opportunity to fail at my dream of running my own business is much more appealing than working for someone else so it was back to the concept of the washing machine i was like i got to build a business And of course as an off-road thing i was like i can't be a grower and like drive around with these flashy trucks like that's exactly the opposite of how you're supposed to operate if you're in that business right so i was like well if i have a business in off-road then everything i do is a tax write-off and i completely have a you know excuse to build these things i shouldn't need an excuse but i got one and so that was that was my game and so i um, you know, I went to Pico and did the thing, paid for the court thing, worked through it, uh, got through the court thing, and then I adopted my dog, which was like the best day of my life. Mary Jane, had her for like twelve years, and um, and that kind of like put the end on that. That was like the end of an era, right? I started a new one. And I had this, and I thought I'd keep growing, but once the case was over, I was like, dude, that was so much anxiety. Like, I can't get away from that feeling. And you know, I couldn't run from it fast enough. And I, my business was just enough for me to scrape by on. And I loved it at that point. And I just enjoyed growing, you know, cause it paid the bills, but I loved fabricating and learning new shit and designing shit. And so it's so funny because like basically the, the business that was supposed to be a cover for the hustle ended up becoming the hustle.
0: <laughs> right, right. So now you're into the stage of where you are now with...
1: Yeah, friends- so actually we're still six years ago, whatever, moved to Santa Cruz. I was like, got out of Chico, had a friend in the hustle in Santa Cruz. I was like, I can just trim her and supplement my income. I don't have to be involved in the scene. I'm like, this is a cool, easy way for me to make the money and still, you know, keep the connections that are valuable, but without having to actually be at risk. And... um and so that was good. That was a good way to, you know, make some money I needed for car parts or to do what I needed to do to start thinking about building a business in Santa Cruz in a, in a relatively tough time. Um, you know, that was like 2011, 2012. Things are starting to pick back up, but it still wasn't like – she wasn't banging by any means. And um, so I opened my shop there in Scotts Valley, and I was actually right down the, down the street from Kanepa Design – and a lot of people don't know about Canepa design, but, you know, like Jay Leno buys cars from Canepa. Um He's world-class. He races vintage cars and builds, you know, some of the world's most incredible, like, collectible machines from Porsches to Mercedes to McLarens. Like, he's got them all. He's got walls stacked with cars vertically uh, in his shop. You know, they're just waiting for him and his team to do their magic. Um, and that was like, it was crazy. Cause I had this vision of like, you know, what if I was ultra successful and could create any scenario possible for a dream shop? Like what would that look like? Right. Um, and Kanepa's shop for cars is basically that it's just like, I couldn't figure out a better way to build a better facility. Like when he does his open house, if you ever ch- have a chance to go to one, do it, it'll blow your mind. Like the organization, uh, the workflow, just the quality control is all very apparent in everything. I mean, and I've walked around when he does his open house, he'll talk about different stuff. And I've actually gleaned some of my best tech, uh, and some really great, you know, insights from those stories he's told uh, at those open houses. Um, and so anyway, being down the street from that was great inspiration. I was still kind of early on in my career, but kind of now I'd have, built a long travel kit and it, it worked on my T100, you know, to some degree. And, and so, um, you know, I was doing lots of bumpers at this point and um, pretty much whatever people wanted, like custom fab wise, some railings and, you know, still fucking lots of trailer repairs and uh, modifications for crawler trailers and stuff like that. And I started building some more long travel stuff and started meeting some more people in the Bay Area, and they started, re- like, fabricators in the Bay Area that had shops, and they started realizing, like, hey, this guy actually is one of, if not the most knowledgeable suspension engineers in the whole area. And so I started getting calls for the higher, like, harder projects, and I was still pretty fair priced. I was always 75 an hour. Um, And so I got a lot of calls like that from other shops where they're like, uh, we don't know how to build spindles or this guy brought in this long travel beam kit. We can't figure out what, you know, what the baseline geometry is and just stuff like that. So it was cool. I started getting with stuff that was more of my interest alley and really kind of focusing. And, uh, at that point, I was like, you know, I think, I think I'm ready to, to build a machine. I might only ever get to build one race car, right? Um, so I better make it good, and I'd, I'd watched Dust of Glory at that point. At that point, you know, hundreds of times. I was like, it's a trophy truck. I still had just enough ego to to have to build a trophy truck. So um, that's what I decided I was going to do. And I started researching how much tubing I needed and what kind, of size, and where to get it, and ordered up few hundred feet of tubing and while I was saving money for that I've always just known like the best thing to do is you know look ahead a couple months figure out your cash flow and then figure out your parts flow and figure out what the fuck you're going to do with yourself when you got a month of nothing but time right because <laughs> that happens and so that was exactly what happened at the beginning of the Camino I got everything marked up I kind of had my suspension plan figured out and then I was just like eh, well I wish I had some tubing And so, um, for a month, I started designing an intake manifold. I was on LS1 tech. I converted, you know, all my research time over to intake design, figuring out like, you know, the bell curve and the angle for the wedge and just like all the different ratios, volumetric efficiency was the first time I'd heard that term and just like going through the gamut of just figuring out a new thing. And I started making molds for it and kind of posting pictures. And I knew enough, like, to check my analytics at that point. It was like 2011, 2012. I knew how to find my Google analytics. And I was like, what is, why am I getting like 10 times as many hits on these intake manifold pictures? Than any other thing like I'm on a suspension for him I hadn't even posted them on LS one tech yet and um, I thought that was weird and um, and then I had a guy from well, I'm not gonna say the name of the shop cuz I'm not you gotta be careful when you, you make a claim so but it's uh, West tech. <laughs> oh, Oops, I said it and so uh, anyways I had a guy call me from that place and say, hey, you know, we'd love to, to test your intake and uh, we'd love to to help you get your dyno specs about that thing, right? I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds neat. Well, I'm not a fucking idiot guy. Like, hey, um, I'll bring it, but it'll be chained to me or bolted on the Camino. Like, I ain't shipping it to you by any means. right? Like, this is, you know, this is a big deal. It's a big product. And he was like, if your product does what you say it can do. You know, you'll know, you be able to retire after a couple of months of sales. I'll get it on the shelf at O'Reilly's, and you'll just laugh all the way to the bank. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Sounds good. I've heard that before, though. <clears throat> so I'll just keep doing my shit uh, until you're ready to fly me down there with that thing chained to my wrist. Um, and what was funny is when I saw the analytics blowing up, even more so after that phone call, um, I just, I fucking pulled all my posts and I didn't post anything further about the sauce which was a special sauce of my design that really set it apart uh from any intake that had been designed at that point and also to date and so um that was a that was a hard quick lesson because a year after that there's an intake that came out that was made out of sheet metal instead of what i talked about with like carbon fiber um and it looked identical to my design and i had posted pictures of my mold plugs and so you could pretty well take profile pictures of my mold plugs map them out in cad and pretty easily make a representation of what i did and that's basically what they did um either or group consciousness and somehow these guys were picking up exactly all the same exact things i was on every single design element that's a lot of Coincidences. That's a lot of
0: group coincidences. Yeah,
1: yeah. So whatever, it is what it is. It's a damn hard lesson, right? But you just move on. I was like, in my lifetime, I'll invent hundreds of products. Although this, that's one of the most potentially marketable ones. You know, I can't let that hold me back. And so, uh, and that was that happened over a course of a year. While during that year, I was building out the whole chassis of the Camino and um i brought on an apprentice at that time he was a tig welder and i don't know who taught who more like i paid him 10 bucks an hour to come in with a six thousand dollar brand new fucking miller inverter setup and lay down he was 6g certified at 20 years old this kid went to community college and learned everything he needed to from one of the best instructors out there and he killed it he wasn't fast but neither is like really any skilled tig welder he was really good and um so i learned a lot about prepping metal properly <laughs> prepping welds properly uh started you know learning more about metallurgy because he was kind of had to learn some of that to be a good tig welder um and you know basically just continued the evolution of learning the craft like further and the two of us came up with a suspension design for the, the links on the Camino. Um, we came up with a version 2 design of my uh, control arms uh, and spindles and uh, evolved everything and we, you know, being able to bounce ideas off him for chassis design and just conceptual design. I mean, he was a smart kid and, and I was stoked when he told me that he actually took my advice. I was like, don't do what I did. Don't be a fab shop owner. This ain't it. Go learn CAD. Go learn G-Code. Go be a fucking machinist. So he did. And now he makes, you know, three times what I make. Right, right. And races his BMW on the weekends. And he's still, you know, good fabricator and can do that when he wants to. And so I tell people that all the time. Unless you're willing to grind for 20 years before you see fucking, like, any real, like, results. and, And you're willing to go on this crazy soul journey like i'd say start real specific and focus on one thing because that's not what i have done i have done anything but that you know i have basically taken on every single project that i thought would push my ability to do what i do in some way whether it's mentally or you know physically or like a new way of working with tools or something that required new tools you know and um you can't it's not a good business model i'll tell you that it's a it's a it's a good way to learn stuff but um you know you gotta in business you just gotta focus and be really good at a thing and and do it over and over and and so that's kind of what i learned after all this and that kind of at this point when that i guess that concept was really settling in was like well shit it takes me so long to make a good thing because i had a cnc or i didn't have a cnc mill at that time i just had a um a bridgeport mill and a a manual lab and so i was prototyping stuff on that stuff doing relatively precise stuff and um you know kind of like we're like getting to the end of my my mission of understanding how to make every piece on a trophy truck i mean i was prototyping hubs and i was looking at how to make axle housings and um, you know, getting into the really more, uh, precise and, and technical stuff in, um, for, you know, manufacturing of motorsports. And so, um, that time stuff was taking a long time. You know, I could spend six hours turning knobs and only like make one little part of one, like one piece of one part that might have 12 pieces machined you know for like a hub or whatever it is yeah, and so it's nice. just like Jesus man if you're gonna invest as much time in anything you gotta like you know keep all your specs and you know do some work on projects that are in alignment with products you want to sell in the future and so um, I started cherry picking the work I was doing even more and focusing only on stuff that I thought would turn into a product later if it was going to take me, you know, like most projects do way longer than the actual hours I'm charging for. So, um, you know, and that was even, that was almost 10 years ago now. And so, you know, without being too wordy, like basically I was in Santa Cruz doing the Camino progressed and and over the next year I would you know, I worked through all the details of, of getting it all put together and, um, I got it started after, you know, close to 3000 hours of work and we dragged it to the racetrack on the very last race of the season. It was a Halloween race, Sacramento, and, um, the car had a, had a radiator in it, but it didn't have, um, like all the radiator hoses and it had brakes on it, but it didn't have, All the brake lines and it (laughs) had fans on it, but they weren't all wired up. Mm. And there's like, you know, there's no window nets. There's like, (laughs) I'm just showing up, just winging it to this race, just like trying to get this thing out there just because that was the goal, right? And, um, God, I fucking busted my ass, you know, the first, first. Day we had it run, it's been run it was running, it was run on and off, it has a car, so that was a problem. And uh, worked on it all night, got the plumbing going for the radiator sweet, radiator's working, it's wired up, it's like dawn's coming, and I'm like, Okay, it's Saturday, we're gonna go we're gonna go to tech, and they're like, Well, you gotta have a neck restraint, and I'm like, I gotta have a what? And they're like, Yeah, you can rent it It's seventy-five bucks. And I'm like, I don't got seventy-five bucks. And so I got my first sponsorship that day for my Necker State rental from my my uh, good friend and mentor Krusty, <laughs> and uh, uh, I might have shed a tear. I, might, I I ain't gonna say I did, but I can't say I didn't because it was pretty humbling, dude. When your friends believe in you, and, <laughs> um, and it's a real it's a that was a feeling I hadn't really had before. You know, I was a sponsored snowboarder, but that's a company. Right. It's different than one of your friends just being like dude, go do your thing. I got you. You know? And, um, so I did, I went and I teched, and I did I couldn't even drive it to tech. It still didn't have brakes. They came and they teched my truck in the pits, and they were like, is it going to have brakes when you drive it out on the track? And I was like, yeah, totally, I promise. <laughs> They're like, all right, check. It's got brakes. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so check, I checked it out on Saturday, and, like, it wasn't – I missed all the fucking races. I missed all the practice. I missed the fucking first heat. I'm fucking trying everything I can do. We got the brakes in it, but now we're having problems with the car. We're having problems with the fuel pump. You know, this thing isn't even tested. It's not even put together. What the fuck am I doing? But this is like – other racers are like, yeah, I remember my first race. And so – that's what i was doing i was going to my first race in my off-road truck that was built in my garage and doing it all wrong and to the fullest extent so um long story short on that weekend basically it didn't go to the race all weekend couldn't make it i had my test drive i was fucking ripping down the side road i both almost ran over my dog because the brakes didn't quite work and then uh of course the like the park Ranger, or whatever, saw me kicking up dust and was like, here's a ticket. And so, <laughs> so I got a, kick, a ticket for kicking up dust, trying to test my truck that wasn't even put together, <laughs> even didn't even make the race. And I had to pay to enter the race, which I never made. And they did actually give my money back, uh, which was really nice of them. They didn't have to. And um, so on Sunday, everybody's left, right? It's like they're, everybody's gone home. It's like that fucking song, right? The fucking cake song. I'm like, I'm not giving up. The sun's not down. Like, if I get it going, can I can I run it on the track, please? And I knew all weekend, I was like, I'll be able to steal help from these people. Like, there's going to be, like, really skilled people (laughs) running around. I'm going to leverage a little free labor, a little slave labor. And so I was like, that's good motivation just to try, you know, even if I fail. I totally failed, but I didn't at the same time. Because that night, it was like full moon. It was hot as balls. And I got the thing running. I got the brakes working, kind of, mostly. They didn't return. But, I mean, that's minor, right? You just put your foot back under it, and you pull it back up. That's no big deal. So I got to test the truck out, run it around the track. And, like, even though I failed to race it, I still succeeded in getting it running and testing it for its first time. And so that was, like, that's, you know, that's an adventure that's worth talking about. And so brought the truck home you know i raced it a couple more races that season and then uh short course races on the track and then i tried to take it out in the desert and um i made it i mean it was super exciting i i had the thing all loaded up with all the desert shit and i i you know made it to the race out in Yerington with vora uh, racing valley off-road racing association out of reno and uh I never raced in a desert race, you know, dude. It was so it was so much work to get the thing down to that race and get gas cans lined up and people and, and a pit like crew and truck and trailer and like, dude, just all volunteer help from friends and like zero sponsor dollars. This is you know that's all just out of my pocket, um, and so. I made it to the race and then I went 15 miles in the race and I blew out the rear axle um, and I, it was like a Sunday so I couldn't get a. there was nowhere around that had another one and I didn't realize that was you know a part that I should probably have three of extra and it was a semi float axle so that was when I started learning about axle tech and and uh, that was also, like, one month after my firstborn was born. And I was like, you know, this could easily be my last race. I'd like to go try to run it in the desert. And I just got my fucking ass handed to me. I got uh, uh, flash burns the night before, trying to get the, the truck prepped, stand up late, and it, it was just tough. And I was just like, you know what? Like, that just ain't it. That's not it, obviously. Like, I'm out here pulling my hair out, and all the rest of these people look like they're on a fucking Sunday drive just having a good old time. Right. Like, right. one of these is not like the other, and it, and I got to figure this out. And so, you know, it was so funny that, like, again, you know, you're older, you learn a lesson from someone younger than you, but sometimes if you're not listening, you miss it. And there was this kid, he was racing circle track in, in Santa Cruz at that time. This is just a little after that desert race. And um, I was just chopping it up with him, talking about cars. And, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. I had a trophy truck, whatever. And this kid was just super humble. He worked at the little organic co-op. And, and he had his little race car shop down the street building these uh, you know, stock cars. And, and he said the fucking smartest thing I ever heard come out of a racer's mouth. Because I was like, well, when's your next race? And we were talking about the car he's working on. He was like, I'm not sure. I was like, what do you mean? How could you not know? And he was like, well, when I'm building my race cars, I figure out what class I want to be in. And then I start building it. And I build it as fast as I can. And I forget about the races. I don't pay attention to the races. I don't follow the forums. I don't listen to any of it. I don't even go to them. I just focus on building my race car. He's like, as soon as my race car is done, I go test it. As soon as I don't break stuff going testing, I figure out when the next race is. And I was like, oh! Like, dude, there it is! There's the fucking, it's so easy, but it's so simple, but it's so genius. Like, skinny racer, like, it takes guys a long time to figure that out. (laughs) And, uh, so I had to just relinquish, you know, I was just like, I don't have the money to be in this sport at the level I want to be at. Like I got a kid, I'm a dad now. I got and actually sadly, not too long after that, my mom passed away. And, um, you know, something happened when my mom passed away. Like I, Every single day and every night eat, sleep, camino. I was building that thing. I was like three years deep almost. And um, you know, I was starting to get interest from potential sponsors and starting to really get traction and uh had raced in baja in the Nora one thousand with another guy, met some of my heroes in the sport and was really actually starting to network my way into, you know, professional off road racing um community. And it really is that it's community. It's not like, those people are some of the nicest people I've ever met um they're super helpful and they all come together uh when they need to to help each other and so that was that stuck I was like this is something I can do as a for the rest of my life you know these have these guys have two and three generation old teams where their grandpa's racing them with their grandson in the truck that that dad built like I was like that's just cool man and so you know, I never forgot that. I dragged the Camino home along with a couple other project cars. Home being Washington State from California. And like I said, when my mom passed, just everything changed. I was like, I'm a dad. Like, my shit's kind of flipped upside down, losing my mom. But I do know that it's real important that I be here for my kiddo. And so um, I pretty much just moved back home and started from scratch i was like i'm just gonna fabricate out of my garage i'll get a house with a garage and i'll just take it back a notch and I, I played around with some drift stuff that's when i got to playing with Subarus. and um you know my my race truck didn't matter to me at that point it wasn't that it didn't matter i was like i can come back to that but like as a priority it had gone from the top to the absolute bottom in like in a day um And it stayed at the bottom for a long time because I knew how obsessed I was with it when I worked on it. And I was kind of afraid of that. I was like, if I start working on that thing again, I'll probably just say fuck everything and only work on that again. And that tended to be a problem uh, when I didn't manage it. (laughs) It was like a gambling obsession or something. I work long days and just forget about trying to do paying work. Um, But that's because I really enjoyed it and you know, a gift to find that and so i left it i left the camino alone um up until just a few months ago um it had been stored outside and and um i just did other stuff i focused on building savage Subies, doing r&d i saw a, a better more tender market in building subaru turbo kit parts and suspension parts and drift parts and um and then i started working with super people and was like oh i don't know if i want this this to be like the clients i have to build base my business off of i mean they're all very nice and have great intentions as humans but as a from a business perspective um you know you want to have a client base that who really appreciates what it takes to create quality products And they just want the best deal. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but like I said, from a business perspective, it it wasn't the best thing. And so I spent a few years R&D and Subaru parts that I still have yet to bring to market and I still contemplate whether I even will. Um, but I've got a whole complete product line of Subaru drift parts, angle kit, uh, bash bar, uh, Uh, rear supra differential conversion uh steering rack conversion uh, wide body kit all these things i designed for the rs for drifting that intended for resale and it's just it, it's just part of the whole story you know you design stuff and you kind of like like lie to yourself you're like oh like i'm gonna get rich off this or this is gonna allow me to blah 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 and, and you really just tell yourself whatever you got to do to get through it Right.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
1: And then there's reality, like, I'm not a I'm not a marketing firm. I don't have the money. I'm not it, I'm not even part of SEMA. Like you know, for as far as I'm concerned, like ten thousand followers on Instagram's great, but unfortunately that doesn't equal ten thousand impressions. With the algorithm, that usually equals like maybe a thousand if i'm on brand for what i generally post about right And if i'm not it's about a hundred mm-hmm. so you know the algorithm at this point you know has completely taken away my reach on instagram um and completely changed the dynamics of doing business and and uh and how I need to reach clients. And, and that's really interesting, you know, and it's just, again, it's another lesson along the story. It's like, great, you can have a system that's working for you, but it can change. It can be, especially in technology, shit's always changing. Uh, and you either, you know, figure out how to keep up or, you know, just fall behind. So, um, through the experience of building the race car and stroking the ego and going through the whole process and just exactly what I still tell people to this day just do whatever the fuck you love because you're just going to, no matter what, it's going to be work it's sometimes going to suck but at least you're going to love what you do and it's going to make it possible to come back to it and keep doing it. Um, and you know there's a double edged sword to that you can ruin what you love if you're not careful but if you can keep that balance you know, you can make it sustainable and Quality of life is not too bad.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> so, that's the that's the moral of the story. Yep.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I'd say so.
0: Yeah, And that's fine. That's a good moral of the story. It just depends on if everybody, like, you know, somebody picks up on it and chooses to uh, make that their own destiny. You know. Yep. Hell yeah, man. We got a lot. We got a lot of. Uh, we got a lot of info, a lot of backstory
1: on this. Yeah, series, no, that's man. a that's a lot of content for you. Have fun editing that. I right. don't expect to have to listen to all of it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I'll you know I'll, I'll get in there.
1: Yeah, do whatever you do, man. Do it. Keep keep the parts that are relevant. Try to keep the rambling to the minimum. I'm sure, I know I went off on a couple tangents there, but no, man, that that's is what the- it is. You know, I think a lot of that stuff is is valuable. You know, you know, to different people who might be listening.
0: Yeah, man. Well, there's a there's a pretty good no there's a pretty good listener base they'll listen to it they just listen to it they listen to the shit just because and not not to say just because I'm some motherfucker but they just listen to all the podcasts just because it's my ass putting the podcast out there there's support
1: I, I do I'm like it's relatable you know I know you and, and the way you relate with I appreciate the way you relate with people and so that's why today when you're like let's do this thing I was like in a heartbeat dude let's fucking do this right
0: yeah, it's cool, man. I like talking, and that's my thing. Like, I don't, I want to talk to everybody. That's uh, they don't have to be doing anything in relevancy. They, if you're building on your shit and you didn't build on it for a month, okay. So the fuck what? Tell your story about what you're doing. You don't have to be doing it, and you don't have to be doing the best shit. Like, who gives a fuck? Just tell your story as a a homegrown motherfucker that's just just doing their shit. You know what I mean? That's my yep. whole thing with it. And uh, just because maybe, yeah, like you, you, like somebody might be trying to do, get into some uh, Baja, maybe not even Baja shit. Maybe they just want to know how to have a, a real decent uh, long travel suspension and whatnot. And then they, you know, he's like, oh, fuck, man, this dude's talking that shit. Let me see who the fuck he is. You know what I mean? And then they go and they check you out and they see your shit. They make contact with you and then you give them some tips and then boom. yeah i've done
1: it many times you know and and uh, i tell lots of people like especially grassroots drifters fortunately those cars are a lot less complex than a baja truck and you know that means less expensive and they take less long to build not to say there's not world-class drift machines like trophy cars but i mean there are but um a lot of them are grassroots rigs and so I tell people all the time who are like, "Oh, but racing's so expensive." And I'm like, "But grassroots racing isn't, dude. It's like 200 bucks for your fucking track day. You're going to burn through a few hundred bucks in tires." And then people are like, "Oh my god, that's so expensive." But you don't do it every fucking weekend. You do it like once a month if you're lucky. Right. Right. And so when you break that down, it's like, oh, well, now I've got like a five hundred dollar a month habit. And like that's like pretty sustainable for most people who have a small business or like are, you know, working their asses off. Like I would have easily spent that money on going racing versus going to the bar. That's what it takes. And, you know, if you if you're going to. Nobody's gonna just like, oh, you got this lofty dream to do some shit that millionaires do. Well, yeah, it's gonna inevitably it's gonna cost money. Nobody's gonna hand it to you, um, you know. But that's the thing too. There's a huge a huge power behind like people see when other people are inspired. It happened when I was snowboarding. That's how I got sponsored because I was really living my dream. I truly was at that time, you know. And there's power behind that. When people see you living your dream, dude, when I saw you on Patina Code, I was like, this dude is authentic to himself. He's doing his shit. That's the same thing. There's power to that because it's an alignment of what you are about, you know? And that's the the best thing any of us can do is be like, here's my culture. Here's who I've turned into. Here's what I got to offer. Take a piece of that. Expand yourself a little bit. Here's here's some new ways of looking at some shit.
0: Mm -hmm. We've been knowing each other before the patina code shit. He's on the other side of that shit, and that's the same thing.
1: I was like, Oh, dude, this novelty classic. (laughs) 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 Fast pictures. Damn, has a good eye. I like this guy. You didn't say much. You didn't not much, and you're. It was like kind of like uh, kind of aloof, kind of ambiguous. I kind of digged it. I was like, all right. I could hang
0: right but then I start and then when you I got it and I followed your page I was like this motherfucker he's doing the same shit I'm doing you're doing it on the a more intricate scale but at the same time you were doing the same shit you were like this is what the fuck I'm doing and this is how it goes so I'm gonna show you this you can do it this way or maybe you can steal a piece from this and add it to your fucking repertoire what (laughs) repertoire yeah yeah you know absolutely yeah so i was like damn he's doing he's like he's doing this shit and you got to you know well because you had started doing that was you got a 56 too you got a 56 uh
1: i got a 57 yeah 57 uh, i had that was a flat bed yeah that i rebuilt the bed and notched and right built all out that's a 30 that was a 30 that's a 3600 that truck Mm mm-hmm um and um yeah i still i'm looking at that truck right
0: now man well you was you was doing like you did the whole front end like you was like here's another way i'm trying to develop a way as far as the mustang 2 shit and how all the geometry and everything was going i remember you was doing that with that truck while i was doing my bare metal 56 yeah yeah
1: yeah i decided i i i took a page from drifting and I took all the the geometry but then I applied it to the OG beam I ended up not doing an IFS setup on that truck and I kept it roots mm. and, but I did some crazy I like flipped the beam upside down and like fucking made it under like no spring over and like oh, I can't remember all the shit I did it was pretty dumb but I made it so basically the uh, bolts the hardware uh, they're just barely scraping off the ground that holds that front beam on.
0: <laughs> Holy shit.
1: Yeah, it's low. I mean, I can't put... And it doesn't have a small tire on it by any means. It's just got a good size... It's got a stock it's stock front tire on it. Uh, I wanted to run bigger tires on it, kind of like a pusher truck. I like that idea. I like the circle track. Right. Recovery rig. Um, but the big tires, they fucking hit everything when they steer. <laughs>
0: oh, man
1: so it was finding that fine line with that one
0: yeah for sure yeah and that's where we that's where we you and i we got our start together because you, you you i guess uh like you say the algorithm i was hashtagging everything you know uh task yep. force truck 5600 or you know 3100 3800 3600 yep. whatnot and that's might be how you ended up seeing like oh shit you know
1: yeah i was tagging 57 chevy and classic truck
0: right you know
1: patina and and we trust
0: yeah all that
1: good shit (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah man i don't even know man that's but that's how shit happens man like some of the tags we were using you got that was like That was years ago. So some of those tags, I haven't even revisited any of those tags since. Like, I haven't tagged anything. I know. Me either,
1: because that's how it is. I just tag relevant to whatever I'm working on.
0: Exactly, man. Fuck yeah. And that's what it is, man. And that's why, uh, you know, but that's how it goes. And then, you know, two people end up clicking and then shit's just cool. And then so now you and I, you know, I'm following you. You're following me. And I see what you're doing. You see what I'm doing. And then other people fucking come on and then they see you and then I'm like oh shit let me check this guy out so yeah it all works out man and that's what the cool shit a, is not you
1: do a podcast with the uh, the Homie Rick with Drift Nation?
0: I did do the podcast with them.
1: Yeah. So that dude and I man like same thing like I just was working on my body kit doing fiberglass tagging like mold making or DIY whatever body kid or wide body blah 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 who fucking knows he saw one of my posts with the algorithm saw what i was doing and since it knew that i was hagging that shit it starts showing me the shit that he's doing and then bam like you can't hate the algorithm for getting you to meet like right for, like quality people you make lifelong friendships with it just you know it's a double-edged sword right yeah so, take it as it is and uh so rick i seen that motherfucker is a savage on composites he knows fucking i don't know where he learned his shit but i'm like this dude does world class uh carbon fiber i'm like i need to meet this guy i'm making him my new friend because i'm working on a body kit that i need to know how to do that shit on and it looks like he couldn't you know wouldn't mind a few pointers on some of the shit that i do so um we start chatting turns out we get along great and the next thing you know you know we're fucking literally helping each other like make each other's lives better
0: <laughs> right yeah dude like he came on i didn't even like I don't, I don't know, he followed me and then I was checking out his page, I was like, damn this dude's doing some cool shit, this was before all this shit that's happening now yeah. this was before yep. the Drift Nation 2020, him drifting, going all over to fucking California yep. and all this shit, and I was like, dude, that's some cool shit, and he was like, yeah, I'm doing this LS shit, I said, well, I'll tell you what, dude, I don't know shit about the LS, like, I know about it, but I don't know all the integral parts of it, if you want to do a podcast and talk your shit, because everybody likes hearing about the fucking LS us. And I'm like, cool. Let's uh. and He's like, yeah, I'll do it, dude. He's like, I seen your page and I seen you fucking grinding like that, dude. Like I've never seen a motherfucker just constantly, every day posting content about the fucking bullshit they're doing. And I'm like, it's just because it's fun to me. And he's like, man, cool. So I start following him and then he started telling me his story and I was like, dude, you're, you know, you're doing some cool shit, you know. And then we did the podcast and we talk on the phone every now and then and. He, you know, he gets into the live feed. I join on his live feed, and he's doing shit, like giving away motors and shit like that to motherfuckers. You know, he's a cool motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's been a good episode. I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, before we get out of here, though, I'll let everybody know, hit them up with your Instagram handle so they can check you out.
1: Yeah, it's at Savage Fab. Uh, savage underscore fab on instagram
0: there you go man yeah yeah dude we'll have to do more episodes of different shit once we uh well we got to get get all this shit posted up over time then we'll come back and get you to come back and tell more story well maybe we can get you once you go out and you do your first baja run with the uh with the brat or the Camino. yeah i'll
1: be hoping to do at least a couple races this year with it and then uh you know, next year, I'm going to drag that thing down to Mexico in the spring and take it to the, to the Mexican 1000, which is like the original Baja race, uh, kind of. Right. But at any rate, yeah. So, uh, you know, just keep on chiseling away at it one, one piece at a time.
0: Hell yeah, bro. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next episode. Of- talking with you man because you be talking some shit but i like talking when you be on there doing your shit man you be doing your lives and shit i'll be watching it and when i can when you know saturday and sunday is my best days because when you be coming on at all times of the day man, i'll be at work and i'm like fuck man i can't watch this shit now
1: you yeah know? i just do it whenever the fuck i'm inspired right. true
0: no, that's cool. Every <laughs> once in a while, I'll catch one I'm during bored. the day.
1: I'm just, like, sitting here welding. I'm like, oh, I can stick my phone up and just, like, talk right. to, to people.
0: That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, because I had my I had my cameras and my phone set up. And I was like, I'm going to do a live when I'm doing this fucking sand. And just talk to motherfuckers. And then I seen you was on. I was like, oh, shit. Fuck it. That saves me. I can, I can fucking watch him and keep doing my shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I do the same exact thing, dude. I'll just be sitting there. My girl's like. That dude's cool. I see why you watch him. I'm like, he's <laughs> not just cool. That's my boy. Right?
0: I <laughs> right on. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, man. Because we just, man, that's just what it is. Motherfuckers just is building, man. And anybody that's building something, I don't give a fuck what you're building. If you're building it, then I'm like, cool. Yeah, I want to see the shit because it's cool. You know?
1: Yeah. I was I was blown away by what you did with Zero, dude. Absolutely. I was like, that is one of the most, if not the most spirited, like, garage-built trucks of all time.
0: (laughs) Right on, man. You think so, though?
1: (laughs) I do. That's real. You earned it, man. She made you earn it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) How many days of fucking uh, graining that body do you think you got?
0: Oh, man. I got hours. I got like 20. I forgot how many hours. I had to look in my logbook. They've got a lot close to three thousand hours total on the truck.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's appropriate for what you ended up with. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't rush that. That's you know. that truck really transcended a truck build into really a unique, uh, you know, just pretty much a, a work of art. And I love how you put your own flavor on all of it, but also in alignment with like the theme. I mean, that's it's rad dude. And the whole thing, you know, the story after getting, having to get rebuilt and everything. So, Yeah, that was a battle,
0: dude. I ain't doing that shit no more, though.
1: <laughs> yep. I ain't doing
0: it. But I am going to do some bare metal on this truck that I'm building. So, But not, well, you've just seen it. It ain't going to be the whole truck. Because everybody was like that. We it's
1: should like, do a feature. Uh, I have a top secret for the Brat. I've been figuring out what the fuck I'm gonna do with the body on the brat for yeah. quite a while. I'm gonna knock it all down to bare metal, but go a little different direction. I figured out that if I take a torch and I just torch the fucker, uh, you know, I might hopefully it doesn't distort the fenders too bad. I didn't really think about that till just now. I'll have to stitch those things in real good so they're so that if they get some tension from the heat, that it doesn't ruin it all. But my goal is at least with the chassis tubes, maybe not the thinner metal on the body, but at least with the chassis tubes, I want to burn them all with a torch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, you know, you heat it up to what temperature? 420 degrees. Don't ask me why, but that's the temperature. Uh, at, somehow, <clears throat> at that magic number, the... Um, Basically, the, the pores of the metal open up, mm-hmm. uh, on the outside of the metal. And so if you quench it with an oil rag at, you know, plus 400 degrees, you essentially case harden the steel. So the outside of it's harder, uh, and protected. And it also gives it a, a black patina, like a gun metal. Oh. So you can go through a piece or a whole, even whole chassis. And uh, you can do that. And it's a way of finishing it with a patina and so it won't rust anymore. And so that's my my goal is to do that to the whole chassis of the brat um, when it comes time. And then I'll wrap it for, you know, races if I get sponsored. But I'll have my shit is all in the patina layer.
0: That would be fucking badass, dude. And that's crazy because. That's the goal. Bro, I have. I don't know if I still got them or not. I hope I do. I have to look because I delete so many things. But you know the little bullshit, the little blue torch you can get from the yeah. store. Yeah, so I had one of those, and I was uh, just fucking around. I was burning off the um, the tar from the old tar from the back in the day on the on the fenders, inner fenders of the truck. And this is when the fend- outside was bare metal. So then I. Uh, One day, I was standing there, and I was scraping up underneath the fender, and I'm holding the torch up here as I'm reaching under scraping. Well, little did I know the torch was on the fender, right? And I scraped off enough, and I backed up, and I'm like, holy fuck. But what happened was it burned that cool-looking yellow, blue, purplish ring into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought about doing that, like doing little rings doing little rings but like you said it starts to distort shit
1: yeah i mean that's you've seen it when when they shrink a uh a stretch spot like with a bump, whether it's a low or a high and they they heat it up good and then shrink it real quick with some cold water yep yeah. So yeah, you got to be careful with that, but it's cool. I mean, it'd be fun to to fuck with that and make a little video for your page. About, That'd be cool. You know the the DIY patina mode for patina code.
0: Hell yeah, dude! You should do it. Fuck yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna play around with it a little. I'm I got a local blacksmith. I'm trying to get him to make a Damascus <clears throat> uh, billet for me for my handbrake for the Camino. Okay. I want to do like you know like a damascus like a fucking blade would be out of made out of for the for the handbrake It'd
0: be sick yeah that would be pretty sick yeah hell yeah that's what well, it's I about i better
1: let you go man you're gonna have five hours to edit down here pretty sick yeah i know right
0: <laughs> 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 fuck that man i be i could talk the shit man i'd be talking i, know, I just man. like listening to motherfuckers tell their story man because everybody knows I what the fuck that. i'm about yeah man for sure for sure man but yeah i'll get with you man i appreciate you once again man coming on and uh doing this with me i'll right get it back at at you at you all right bro i'll holler at you later peace that was dave from savage fab man we was on here we was talking up a storm man we got a lot of good content a lot of good stories from that guy there and you guys check his page out he just hit you up with his instagram page check out savage fab on instagram and definitely If you're not already doing it, check out my YouTube series, So You Want to Build an AD, powered by LS Fabrication. I'm on there building the 1952 Chevrolet Advanced Design Pickup Truck, and we're getting to the stage of near completion. Uh, Hopefully, next week, we will be starting on the chassis. We're working on some paint. I got some new episodes getting ready to go up here in the next day or so. And I'd like to also encourage you guys to go visit... My friends at Joe's Racing Products, they have a lot of cool parts that are made here in the United States of America. As you just heard, Savage Fab and I were talking about that. Go check out their website today, www.joesracingproducts.com. You can check out some of the cool stuff they got. They make a lot of things for race cars. But some of the things you can implement in your project vehicles such as what i'm doing and some of those parts that we have are going to be displayed on trench coat which is the 52 chevrolet pickup truck in which i was just mentioning we're going to be having a lot of stuff on the truck from joe's racing products of course champion cooling systems and you guys already know we have a lot of stuff on there from ls fabrication for you guys who are building a 1947 through 1954 chevrolet advanced design pickup truck go check out ls fabrication I can get you 10% off all sheet metal products made by LS Fabrication. So if you like the way the firewall looks on the truck, my tow boards, or if you like the close out the panels that are behind the seats that I'm running in my truck, go check out LS Fabrication today. Any sheet metal panel product made by LS Fabrication, you'll receive 10% off by using the promo code PATINACODE at checkout. Get you 10% off all sheet metal panel products made by LS Fabrication. I appreciate you guys checking this podcast out. And just, I appreciate you guys checking out everything that I got going on and supporting everything that we are doing. There's a lot of commotion going on. There's a lot more commotion to come. Once again, I appreciate you guys out there. And go get you one of these Patina Code shirts on my Patina Code store patina code get your patina code shirt free shipping from now until i don't know when free shipping on all t-shirts grab your patina code shirt represent for patina code i appreciate it, you guys thanks for listening stay with me